Welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where some friends from Philadelphia come together to talk about all things movies. Uh, my name is Connor, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, uh, Sam and Dave. Christine is on a super secret mission for a super secret organization uh, that she couldn't tell us about, but she sends her love. She's doing well, and we can't wait to see you soon. Christine. At the top, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Movie John podcast network our wonderful podcast family um, that has many wonderful podcasts about all things movies and formula one rate racing as well i still have not listened to that podcast but it is on my list so we love the movie john podcast network and uh, if you like the show then definitely check out all the other shows that are a part of the movie john family uh, i hope everyone's doing well today it was a warm day in philadelphia so summer has been here for quite a bit we took a little vacation, and now we've been kind of jumping back into some movies. Uh, this theme is sort of not a whole lot of structure to it, just kind of a grab bag of movies that we've been looking to talk about, movies that we've been thinking about. But before we get into my pick, I want to hear if you guys have been watching anything interesting, movies or shows, or maybe even listened to anything interesting lately. I have a couple things to share, but first I want to just shout out Christine for like a hot second. So we have a butter with that group chat and Christine has been busy. So hasn't been texting, keeping up with the conversations, except for the conversation between Dave and Connor about marry me and the Northman out of absolutely nowhere enters Christine telling, uh, the the chat how much she loved marry me and then sent a picture of a cat and then we didn't hear from her again the most christine thing we miss her dearly so she's well still thinking about marry me just just wanted to throw that out there um but i think in our like catch up with us episode i talked a little bit about me watching stranger things part two came out I watched it. I woke up early to watch it because I was like, I can't handle not knowing. Wish I didn't do that. I'm devastated. Now I have to, now, now I don't have to, but now I can go back to not giving a shit about Stranger Things again. So what a, what a weird dipping my toe into this universe to just like dip right back out again. Um, And it's fine. It's fine. I'm not upset. Uh, Other than that, I forced my roommates to watch. uh, Okay. So one roommate had never watched Twister before. Finally forced her into it. Uh, She said she liked it. How could you not? Um, I think Twister is a classic and we watched it on a night where it was like thunderstorm. So it was perfect if i do say so myself you've never seen it skip this house and skip that house and come after you jesus christ joe is that what you think it did so so much of that movie is committed to memory i don't know why i watched it so much when i was a kid thank you for immediately quoting that so um i live with three people there were four all together and in november 2020 one roommate got covid none of the the rest of us did and i quoted that to her every single time i actually like 
uh, <laughs> casted that part of Twister to her bedroom while she was in there working, just to be like this is <laughs> just to like light bully her a little bit. So yeah, I mean everything in that movie is so quotable, all of it. Um, Philip, he's Seymour, in it for the money, not the science. Oh, Carrie Uh Yeah, you know, so many people, so many like incredible actors in that movie who do yeah do a good job for the most part. I have two very distinct memories of Twister and that's that it was always on TNT. I feel like every couple months we'd say, oh, like movies on TNT would be like a fun theme. And I feel like Twister uh, would fit right in there with that group. I just remember that being on TV so much. And we had the DVD. And I remember being absolutely terrified as like a very young child of this movie because tornadoes are just a terrifying force of nature. Now that I'm an adult, that movie's not scary, but um, definitely that was a movie that left an impact on me as a kid. I remember having the VHS and taking it over to a friend's house in the neighborhood. Uh, they were uh, Christian homeschool kids. So I pop on this movie and uh, we get about like, I want to say 10 minutes in when uh, Bill Paxton is on his second son of a bitch before the dad steps in and is like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And I was like, oh man, we still have like eight son of a bitches left. <laughs> Oh, that's that's amazing. Those 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 kids they they missed out on a really uh, pivotal pop culture educational moment. Sure did, sure did. Um, I've not seen a whole lot that I haven't seen before. I've gone back and watched some stuff again. Uh, checked out the Blair Witch Project again. The original it's still fantastic. Watched uh, Evil Dead Two again recently. Still an amazing film. Uh, great Raimi uh, picture and kind of like. Uh, I guess aside from Army of Darkness, him and his most unhinged and uh, a fantastic, almost like one man show section of the film by Bruce Campbell, who's fan- also great. Yeah, gotta love that stuff. Uh, excited also to announce that uh, we have uh, a new TV coming to our house. Uh, we've been using a Roku for the last, I think, like seven years. It's a horrible TV. Uh, it's constantly uh, disconnecting from the router and the Wi Fi signals. It's just sort of a kind of a real piece of junk that interrupts a lot of really great viewings. And I, uh, been annoyed by it for a very long time. So Housemate and I have uh, split a new TV down the middle. It's coming soon. And uh, of course, we are going to test it with a movie that we know the uh, the uh, visual quality of and can judge uh, a new TV by as far as its merits of definition and color. And that, of course, is Fury Road. So we'll be watching that tomorrow night when the TV arrives. You know, screw those aquarium shots or waterfall vistas. Best Buy should just put Fury Road on a loop. <laughs> like when they're demoing the TVs on the, on the show floor. Um, Dave, last week I made my roommates watch the Scooby-Doo project. Uh, I don't know how we got on the topic of the fact that they made that (laughs) spoof of the Blair Witch Project, but it is funnier than I remember it being almost only because, um, it happened in commercial breaks. That's how they showed it. And so there's like this, this like noise that they play. Um, and it happens like every 15 to 20 seconds my roommate was like so over it and i was on the couch like losing my mind and i was laughing so hard yeah still haven't gotten around to that one i gotta circle back i don't think i've ever heard of that so it was like a commercial scooby-doo short that was just like put on in commercial breaks yep real homies who watch cartoon network all the time will remember this I had a pretty productive uh, film week. Uh, I watched Finished Stranger Things, which I was pretty satisfied with how it ended. I thought the season was definitely the best one since season four, or since season one, um, which isn't saying a whole lot, but I really 
thought the season was really good. Uh, I watched Jaws 2 for the first time. Uh, I did Jaws 1, and then we watched Jaws 2 um, with Alyssa's uh, mom and stepdad. Jaws 1 still holds up, still pretty perfect. Jaws 2 is questionable. Um, They take Brody in some interesting directions, including uh, firing a gun into the ocean uh, blindly. Uh, so there's, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a total disappointment. Um, I just, I went in being like, this is going to be terrible. And I was kind of surprised that there were some parts that were pretty effective. Uh, and they definitely ramped up the violence uh, in Jaws 2. I think The Revenge, I think is the, the subtitle. Uh, and then also watch The Northman, finally. Kind of disappointed. But that's how we started talking about Marry Me and The Northman, because Dave said, <laughs> Connor, via Letterbox, you think Marry Me is a better movie than The Northman? Um, I think Three the Northman stars is... versus two and a half. Yeah, I was, I was a little taken aback, I have to admit. I think context. Uh, Marry Me, I think, is an above average rom-com. Uh, I think The Northman is a superior movie. I would recommend anybody watch The Northman over Marry Me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of disappointed. I do want to watch The Northman again. Um, kind of at my home setup to kind of see how it is on rewatch. So. Robert Eggers, definitely see a lot of the style, but doesn't, in my opinion, kind of come up to The Lighthouse or uh, The Witch, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll co-sign that opinion. Oh, well, speaking of co-signing, no transition here, (laughs) uh, let's get into our new grab bag theme. And this week, I'm bringing a genre that I've never brought to the Butter Crew before, and that is documentary. Uh, today, as you might have seen by the episode title, we are talking about 2016's documentary, Chicken People, uh, which is on Amazon Prime. Uh, so you can view it anytime that you want if you have Prime. And this movie, this documentary really captured um, Alyssa and I's heart. Really love, you know, we love Best in Show. Be sure to check out our Best in Show uh, episode from a while back. And this film was is basically sold as Best in Show, but real life chicken people like people who show chickens competitively and so from that description alone 83 minutes we were sold a couple of years ago watched it and really enjoyed it so in thinking about just kind of random movies that i would like to talk about uh chicken people was definitely one that came to mind that i thought that the butter crew would enjoy it was written and directed by nicole lucas uh hames hames uh, i could not find a whole lot of else that she's done i found her linkedin page uh, she has her own production company, has kind of worked in a different, you know, a lot of kind of different Hollywood circles. Uh, she did a 30 for 30 ESPN kind of short documentary, but that seems to be kind of about it that I could find. Uh, released on March 13th, 2016 at South by Southwest, and then a full digital release on September 23rd of that year. Uh, before I get into kind of the rest of my notes, what did you guys think of Chicken People, a movie about, a documentary about, uh, people who show chickens competitively and just an initial thoughts before we dive in deep. Well, I suppose I went into it with a, uh, a certain expectation or, or at least a, a worry of an expectation. I kind of figured that it, this was going to be not insensitive, but a little condescending in its, uh, its portrayal of uh, this, this uh, field of competition, I suppose is, is the way to accurately describe it. Uh, poultry competitions and the people involved. I I, I did uh, expect a little bit of like stickering a, a little bit, um, maybe not like as tasteless and crass as say like a BBC doc, but um, but not entirely like you know. I, I expected some condescension or some some 
some patronizing going on. Uh, I don't think it does that. Uh, I think it's got a lot of heart. I think it does uh, reach uh, sort of like, does have an interesting kind of like suggestion to the theme as far as the people it chooses to present and the things it chooses to explore within their lives that I think was a little bit, I don't know. I I think it doesn't tell the whole story of this kind of uh, industry and this kind of competition. Um, But uh, interesting stuff nonetheless. And I really enjoyed it. Nice. Sam, what did you think at, you know, kind of first watch? So you told us what your pick was going to be. I texted, I texted my housemates, uh, who I normally like drag along all of these movie picks with me. And there were some like choice words shared about you and your movie picks. <laughs> oh man. What? <laughs> In general or just this one? In general, they're like, <laughs> unfortunately, um, Connor, I, well, I, this, this, this award might go to Christine, um, the, which one of us picks the worst movies <laughs> and they're like, whose choice was this? Oh God, this, oh, I don't want to watch another Connor movie. All said in jest <laughs> and all said with love. Um, but it just ended up that they all sort of watched it with me and we all experienced the same thing putting it on immediately groaning then going oh huh then oh my god and then like really going through the motions crying at one point um I cannot believe how much I enjoyed this I think the three of us who were watching texted someone we're close to to be like have you seen this please watch this Uh, so um it's it's really incredible and very surprising you've redeemed yourself (laughs) oh i'm so happy to hear that did all your roommates like it um yeah the ones who watched it yeah we were all kind of in the same boat of being like i'm pleasantly surprised connor thank you i have two thoughts on your or what you shared sam i think it's (laughs) utterly fascinating that we as people exist in your roommates' minds uh, just via through our movie choices and not, Dave, I can't speak for you, but I've never met your roommates, I don't think. Uh, and so it's just, I think, funny that how they think of us is, is through our movie picks. I think it is um, really funny and interesting. And hopefully I pick some good ones here or there. Hopefully they don't think they're all garbage. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm too nervous to ask what they think of me, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, no, it uh god i love you christine i miss you uh when i say it's a christine pick it's a <sighs> like a, just a heavy, deep sigh you know you know it would be a fascinating episode is if the four of them hopped or you with the three of them hopped in here as the butter crew for oh my god uh, that's <laughs> that'd be funny um well good i'm glad to hear that it was surprising i think i feel Going into it, I kind of felt how you both are like, oh, it's just going to be about, oh, these like weird, not to judge, but like these folks are into a very interesting hobby. What is it going to make fun of them? Like what's kind of the tone of it going to be? And it does turn into something uh, incredibly heartfelt. And I was kind of surprised that it's less about the actual like functioning show circuit and more about these three people's lives who kind of follow throughout it and then kind of interstitched with little, you know, kind of vignette interviews of maybe a dozen or two dozen kind of other people who show. So I'm glad to hear that I brought a movie that everybody and even Sam's roommates uh, enjoyed as well. 
Uh, before we dive deeper, just want to give the official synopsis from IMDb. Uh, chicken People is a funny and uplifting look at the world of show chickens and the people who love them. Starting at the largest national poultry competition, likened to the Westminster Dog Show for chickens, Chicken People follows three top competitors over the course of a year as they grapple with life's challenges while vying to win next year's crown. Both humorous and heartfelt, Chicken People is an unforgettable celebration of the human spirit. Generally, I think that's a pretty good synopsis of the film. Uh, and the three folks that we follow mainly throughout it are Brian Carricker, who is a um, singer in Branson, Missouri, where entertainers go to die, according to him. Uh, Brian Knox, who is a, I guess, like race car engine designer and engineer um, who lives in New Hampshire. And then Sherry McCulloch, who is a homemaker who I believe she lives in Ohio. I think I missed the exact location of um, where she's at. I think that's right. And so we follow broadly the journey that these three people go on, how they get into the chicken biz and kind of how their journey as people who raise chickens, chicken people um, have really you know, played an impact in their lives, both negative and positive, how it's impacted the people around them and how it's really given everybody a sense of purpose. Um, so I guess let's just dive into these sort of three main characters, Brian Carricker, Brian Knox, and Sherry McCullough. Um, how do we feel that the lives and the journeys of these folks were portrayed? Uh, and did you kind of enjoy watching, you know, kind of getting a view of the world of showing chickens through these three stories that uh, Hames chose to focus on over the course of the year? Um, Brian, the one from Missouri, he every bit about him rubbed me the wrong way and i think the documentary actually opens up with him as as at least one of the first people you see and the first folks uh, that that like talk and that's when i was immediately like oh jesus christ what what have you done connor well it opens um, with him like talking about how he sings to his chickens isn't that it i i think so yeah and he I honestly, I never grew fond of him. Um, Connor, we were talking about it earlier and you were like, but he's someone with a dream. And I was like, some dreams need to be crushed. I just did not like this guy whatsoever. I don't know what it is about him. I just think that he's like a big, oh God, this is going to be so sad. And like, this is just me and I'm a bitch and like, that's fine. People can say things like that and they can say things about me. Um, I think he's a giant loser and um, I hated every time that he was on screen. I, there was just something about him that like, I just, it was uncomfortable to watch and I, and I didn't want to, especially like when he brought in his parents, like I did feel bad for him at certain points. I don't know why I had such like a heavy reaction to him because I didn't for the other like two main focal people, but just like him in particular, there was something like visceral that I just wasn't a fan of. Uh, I felt a lot of sympathy for Brian character. Uh, I think he's a guy that has been, uh, I think he's taken a beating throughout life socially. Uh, I think that's pretty clear in the way that he explains his passion for not only uh, the, the, the competitions in sport of, uh, pres- I don't know what to call it, presenting, presenting chickens, uh, <laughs> presenting fowl, presenting birds, um, and raising them and breeding them and everything that goes into that, which uh, as we find out in this film is very complicated uh, or as complicated as one wants to make it. Uh, certainly they all have. But um, yeah, I, he strikes me as a guy that really has uh, some very deep passions, but has been 
ground down by a lot of things throughout his life socially. Uh, he, he mentions at one point uh, while caring for the birds that that's why he enjoys being with them is that birds, you know, by their <laughs> comparatively non-conscious, uh, uh, you know, well, they're not human beings. Uh, so they, they aren't inherently judgmental. There is something just accepting about them that he can interact with. Uh, I feel like Brian's been through a lot. Uh, so I feel for the guy. Uh, that's the, that, that was the impression that I got. That's fine. I think you're probably, I think you're right, but there's still just something about him. Maybe it's just his story cuts <laughs> a little too close to home. Maybe, I don't know, but maybe it's also that when you're experiencing like secondhand embarrassment and you're like, Ooh, this is something I don't like to watch. I don't want to watch it. Maybe it was along those lines for me. Well, that's interesting too. Cause I think, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, I think though that he, yeah, it's secondhand embarrassment, I guess, by definition, because you can tell that he's not embarrassed by any of these things, um, which I think is great, honestly. But uh, yeah, that was just my read on the guy. I found, I found it to be uh, an interesting guy who has big dreams, but um, has had a hard time, probably. I thought Brian, yeah, so we're just focusing on Brian character now. I think he was um, kind of an interesting part of the trio because his passion seemed to come from like his, they all have bonds with the chickens, but I feel like Dave, as you kind of brought up his like, that they don't judge you that they're like, um, I think that's really what drew him to chickens. Cause his parents mentioned that, you know, he gave up the sheep, he gave up the horses, but you can never take chickens away from Brian. He's mm-hmm. like, that's just the one thing that he wouldn't give up. And I thought, and they, I think, you know, the, both Brian shared, you know, kind of, I think show this, but just the obsessive passion that people have for this uh industry you know for um you know this competition circuit and the love that they have for these chickens i think it's just really fascinating i think brian is you know he has these dreams of wanting to be an entertainer but he's stuck in branson missouri uh which is you know just he's doing the 60s revival show and the old people love it but it's kind of about it and i think his journey of like choosing his chickens over you know Basically, his job tells him that if you go to this national show in Ohio, you're fired or at the end of the year. Like, we're not going to renew your contract. And so I think it's – I like that it opens with Brian. It's like, I feel like he's – in my opinion, he seemed very, like, personable and someone whose story I feel like I engaged with pretty easily and kind of showing the stakes and kind of the passion that folks have uh, for chickens when the other Brian, Brian Knox, uh, has, I think, a lot, a lot of passion for sure but approaches it from an incredibly, like, uh, analytic perspective which i thought was really interesting yeah so brian was the uh kind of he designed his profession is like designing engines for like stock car racing and tractor pulls as well which gets into like the history of tractor pull or like you know, his journey with it which was kind of also interesting the documentary uh he has bred approximately i think he said thirty thousand chickens and apparently remembers pretty much all of them uh, he keeps track of every single chicken with like a little tag that has a number on it. And on every one of his chickens cages, he has the lineage. So the grandparents, parents, you know, and then their number. Uh, and so I thought Brian, uh, Brian Knox, I thought was the most compelling person in this show. Cause you get to meet his like his kind of full, somewhat extended family, um, his kind of struggles with, 
you know, relationship, somebody who clearly is very technically minded and really passionate about chickens and somebody who seemed to have, you know, uh, I think I forget the exact, I should have wrote down the bird's names that they talked about. Uh, but the type of chicken that he breeds really was not that popular in the competition circuit. And then he's really made a name for that species because, uh, this chicken has black and white feathers that are in a specific pattern that need to be incredibly detailed thoughts on kind of Brian, uh, from New Hampshire, the race car engine designer and his chickens. Yeah, that was wild. He, and and, you know, like it wasn't just his story, but a few others made me think about like, where's the line of like chicken hoarding? Cause like, I I don't think, you know what, how could I possibly know? Cause we didn't spend a lot of time in his coop, but like, so it just seems like a little too much. He was talking about like how he had like over 5,000 chickens. And I think like the number gets even higher towards the end. Like that, that is a lot of animals to be having in like your home. I'm sure that he had, he lives on like land that's big enough for, for all those coops and stuff. But it was like, damn, at what point should people be like, like maybe you shouldn't. But, you know, I thought that he was, impressive his mom too they added in a little bit about her being like this race car or what was it it's like drag racing right yeah dra- she was like like her her um both of his parents were drag racers and then she just became like the one for the family I'm like that was fucking right i was like not expecting that and that was like very cool yeah, she's kind of like talking about like we meet them early on and they're just sort of like these two soft spoken folks. And we don't really know their profession or that connection uh, to Brian yet before it's before it's established. It's just sort of like two nice uh, older folks talking about their son and his chickens. And then all of a sudden this like this uh, yeah, very soft spoken, kindly old lady is just sort of like, yeah, and then I was in this fireball because I was drag racing. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, very surprising stuff. Yeah, and what I thought was so interesting about the Knox family and Brian was he talks a lot about traits that you see in grandparents popping up, you know, the chicken's grandparents popping up and like familial lineages. I mean, so much of what these folks do is breeding and you're trying to breed the perfect chicken. They say that numerous times. It's kind of like the goal, um, whatever perfect means. And so it's kind of like, it's interesting meeting his grandfather who seems to love model trains. Like he's like, Oh yeah, everybody in my family's very like technically minded kind of this like obsessive, not in a bad way, but like this perfectionist. I think Brian even says like, if there's, you know, I'm doing raising chickens in a perfectionist way, that's like really the only way I know how to do things. And if I get it perfect, then it's time to move on to the next thing. So I just thought his story provided like a really interesting uh, perspective that was a little different from Brian character and to Sherry. I think also, though, in his presentation, in this film's presentation, this is something I'm going to return to when we're discussing Sherry also. It uh, does paint this guy a little bit as, uh, via, you know, I I mean, it's a documentary. Like any documentary, the editor is kind of God in terms of stitching together the narrative and how the themes are presented and rolled out. Uh, With Brian, it felt very much like a story of someone who was struggling with, like, relationships with other people. I mean, he, he he describes like one relationship in particular that didn't work out uh, with a friend who was also uh, a paltry competitor, um, but that he just felt that there were things about the relationship that he couldn't fix. And that I think this is verbatim. I, I really want to fix things is what he says. Uh, he seems, you know, deeply, he seems deeply like uh, very, very analytical, very focused, very researched, 
very methodical and really genuinely wholehearted invested in this thing that he has a sense of control over. And I think a lot of that perfectionism is rooted in, in, in that, in, in having something that he is in command of something that he can control, which, uh, you know, uh, with something like, you know, breeding and putting chickens in the competitions is entirely harmless, but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting trait uh, that I think is perhaps a reflection of his struggles uh, elsewhere. So I, I found his story to be really interesting, but I, I also found it to be kind of really sad in a way that he has decided that like my lifestyle and my dedication to something that I can perfect has impaired my ability or, or uh, inhibited my ability to embrace other parts of life, like connection with other people in a more intimate and romantically developed way and things like that. Um, which of course is fine if that's the direction you want to go in, but you get the sense that he's, you get the sense that he's a little bummed that those kind of things didn't work out. And by contrast, this is something that he has real command over and is respected for and like really acclaimed and achieved, uh, made a lot of achievements at. So uh, I think there's a, a very sad undercurrent there. Uh, although I don't find him to be a sad guy. I think he's a really interesting dude. Yeah. I think you bring up this great point of, you know, some of these, you know, it is kind of sad or, you know, I think Brian's story, you know, clearly he chooses chicken over, you know, kind of forming other kinds of relationship, which is like totally fine, like within his right to do. And he seems happy with his life choices. And so it's just interesting that I think the people featured in this documentary and even in the smaller clips, you know, this is, these are very dedicated and passionate people who have decided that this is the direction that they want to take their lives in. And I think the documentary does a good job of like a for better or for worse kind of angle. It seems to, I mean, who knows if we're being manipulated, but these people seem to speak pretty honestly about how the chickens have impacted their lives, relationships, you know, et cetera. That point in particular is something I'll return to when we're, yeah, getting to Sherry, um, which I suppose is next. Yeah, that kind of just worked out as a great natural transition to um, Sherry McCall, who seems to be a relatively newer breeder of chickens um, compared to some other folks who we meet. Uh, and a lot of her stories about how raising chickens saved her from alcoholism and kind of other sort of inner demons that she had. So I thought that was like poultry showing as like um, something that saved her from some really dark places and seemed you know, to save her family as well. And you know, I think it's really, you know, Brian, the Bryans are really kind of interesting people, but I think Sherry ha- carries a lot of the heart of the documentary, especially because we also get to see her family. She has five kids, four dogs, lots of animals. Sam, I definitely was thinking of like, what is the boundary between animal hoarding and then like really loving and caring for these animals? All these people seem that they deeply care for their chickens. So I don't think it's hoarding, but I was also, my brain was taking me there a little bit too, but I just found her journey and her family um, really interesting, especially when her children basically say, you well, you know, they say that, you know, mom would basically come home drunk and just lay in bed and that be it. But instead she's spending a lot of her time and a lot of her energy on her chickens. So I think her one older daughter's like, well, this is a better use of her time than just drinking and passing out. She's actually doing something a little healthier. So I think it's, interesting how sherry and i think a lot of you know probably folks who are into very very passionate about select hobbies like this um do have obsessive personalities and it's interesting to see sherry move away from channeling that obsessiveness into alcoholism or like in finding like she has this energy and putting into something health more healthy and productive like raising chickens which seemed to have benefited her life immensely and uh, her family's life 
Yeah, Connor, I'm really glad that you brought up like this obsessive and addictive nature that sometimes people can just get really caught up in, whether it be like drugs, alcohol, or raising chickens. Um, Because there was, my heart went out deeply to Sherry, not just because of everything that she experienced and everything that she's worked through, but her family seems to really love her and really appreciate her. And they are happy for, for the journey she's on right now with the level of judgment, even still, because it did feel like with certain comments, they were like, yeah, now she's with these chickens. I don't know whether or not they meant it that way, but it felt that way. Yeah, Sherry's an interesting person. Uh, she's got a lot of facets, a lot of depth. Although this is this is sort of where the movie started tipping for me a little bit into like uh, a que- a question of how uh, how this whole idea is being presented. Because it's not like I, like I said at the onset, like one of those crafts, like let's laugh at these people in their lives kind of documentary or something. But it does also frame things in a, <clears throat> a particular light in terms of illuminating these three stories the way that it does. Because we start off with. Um, a uh, character who's who's really trying to find his feet and find something that he can, and can invest his passion in and and really present himself a, a part parts of himself in a way that can be received by people and celebrated. We have uh, Brian who seems or Brian Knox who, who seems to be trying to navigate his passion, but at the expense of other things that could make him happy. And we get to Sherry and the, the whole time I'm like, okay, she seems to have this supportive family. It seems like things are going really well. She seems to have a lot of things together. She's pretty invested in these chickens. That's none of my business. Um, and then we have this turn where all of a sudden in the middle of the movie, they start talking about her past with alcoholism and drugs. And it just sort of starts to feel like this movie is suggesting that this passion is, is commonly rooted in people that are in free fall, grabbing onto it as a passion on the way down which I don't really appreciate. Like, it, it, you know, there's there's obviously plenty of people. There's like thousands of chickens at these things, uh, ducks, turkeys, all sorts of stuff, and all sorts of people presenting them. And I, I think it's, you know, it's a little bit manipulative to frame, to highlight these particular stories. They're interesting, and they're, I don't want to disqualify or invalidate their stories, but it does feel a little manipulative to frame it in that way because it's not like saying like, oh, these people are crazy and they want to breed chickens. What nuts? It's like, well, these people are deeply hurt and this is a bomb for them. When I'm certain that doesn't apply to everyone doing that, you know? Yeah, um, Haynes definitely picked folks with some pretty uh, dramatic journeys throughout the chicken world. And so I feel like I'm of two minds where like, yes, I, I agree with that. And I'm also like, I think it's also really great that we're learning about people who found like this therapeutic quality of raising animals. Uh, sure, Brian yeah. um, Carriker also talks about how raising animals is like a very spiritual experience as someone who has two dogs. Um, I don't know if I qualified as spiritual, but I definitely understand where he's coming from of like your, you know, we've had Tony since he was uh, like five months old and Sage since she was four months old. And so I definitely have been with these creatures as they grew up. Um, and so I definitely feel this connection that the way that Brian, you know, that they all talk about their chickens, I definitely can relate to as somebody who um, has dogs. And so I think I, I, I'm with you, Dave, but I, it's, it's an interesting kind of balance, but I think it does lean sometimes a little like, look at, look at her. She's struggling. And then she found chickens and now she's better. It is both. Yeah. So we've covered the three main uh, folks that we follow throughout the documentary, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the showing, the poultry showings itself, and this world 
of showing uh, chickens competitively. Have you guys ever like had any familiarity with this or seen this before? Because when I went into chicken people, I really, I'm not surprised that this exists, but I've never really heard of it before as somebody who comes from uh, not like, you know, really an agricultural or kind of rural background. This was all kind of new to me. So is this anything that you guys had experience with? I had no idea. No, I've been to, I've been to a cat show. When I was younger, my dad and I went, and uh, just like on a whim, I think it was just off the highway, and my dad's like, hmm, cat show, huh? So we pulled over and checked out this cat show, which was awesome. Actually, I had a great time. But no, birds? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I imagine something like this probably existed, but um, didn't have any uh, concept or, or idea of how they work, which uh, this movie is actually very thorough about. I, I'm also not surprised that there's like a Bible of bird standards. What is the name of it? Oh, Bantam the American Bantam Association. So Bantam's like standards of chickens, which I guess was written like over a hundred years ago and has like sometimes really accurate calculations for, you know, different proportions or whatnot. And then there's other times where it says a moderately long back and then knock Brian knocks. Like, is it like this long? He just with his hands or even bigger this long. And I was just really interested in the like mechanics of how these showings work and the judgings. And Dave, as you mentioned, this documentary does a really great job of breaking down um, the tiers and the rankings and how everything goes upward toward the top of the pyramid of getting the, the best in show or that was it called the super grand chicken or the super champion chicken uh, or bird, something like that. Because I also thought it was interesting. There were geese and turkeys. Um, I also could not, you know, cause you see lots of the shots of the Ohio national and then later the Tennessee national or Tennessee state champion ship. And just that's so many birds in a room. And these people are bringing like 15 to 30 birds each. Like I was just blown away by the logistics of an event like this. My first note was just the note that uh, this place must be so loud and smells so terrible. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I also, I have always thought that judging for things like this is absolutely ridiculous because yeah, there's like standards of course, but it really is so subjective, right? Like, one judge could think this is beautiful and the other one's like, no, not quite, but never has it hit home as much as this one, particularly when they were like poking that metal, metal rod into the cages to try to get the, the birds to do something. I was just like, <laughs> this is so fucking stupid, but like, obviously it's not, but it's just, you know, it could just be a bad day for somebody and a person who has like worked really hard with their chickens might not get what they think they deserve or maybe what they had been previously. So just the stakes felt really high for, for like not a good enough reason. I think. I don't know how subjective I felt it was. They, they like when judges do have a question, you can see them going back to the manual. I don't know. I, I felt that way in the Tennessee one. But in the Ohio Nationals, it it did not feel like that at all. It felt, and maybe that's the way the documentary sets it up, right? Because you have Brian, the weird one, being like, no, I know my standards. I know this and I know that. And, you know, you believe him. And so the fact that his birds never even really placed was kind of a surprise because it's like, what is the standard here if it's not like what's written in these books? So maybe that's the power of editing. What I thought was interesting was in Knoxville, one of the judges says that a bird was like a little too perfect with like its coop, like the, um, the red leathery looking helmet. 
God, should have wrote these terms. The crown, yeah. It's like so. It's like it's I. It's an interesting mix. I mean, it reminds me like refereeing a football game, where it's like, was it pass interference? Was it roughing? You know, like what? It's so kind of you know. Sometimes in the moment, it's so subjective, and so I just found like judging it so interesting. And I thought I love the they put some animation overlay of like this is like how the tail should be arcing or like the back distance or like the feathered feet. Um, I just thought that the documentary did a great job of just educating me on what these judges were looking for and what a fascinating career to like find yourself in as like a chicken, a a judge at like a chicken show and having to pick. And I mean, it reminded me too of like dog showing of like, well, you know, how, you know, how do you pick best of breed? How is, you know, a terrier different from a greyhound, you know, a terrier, greyhound, you know, husky, like those are such different dogs. How do you pick one that's the best of breed? I, I find stuff like that so interesting. And so I'm not surprised that this documentary was like right up my alley, especially as somebody who really liked um, Best of Show, of course. I uh, do definitely agree about the the emotional stakes, though, Sam. Like every every demerit against each of the competitors, I was just like, "Oh my god, no! What's going to happen out there? This was the best chicken. What are we going to do now?" It's just like, yeah, it did feel very high stakes. It really it pulls you in, it draws you in, and it really gets you emotionally invested in uh, in these people who are so invested in their chickens that you look at these chickens and you're just like, "Why not that one? That one's great." You're right. And then so there's a part of the documentary where they talk about the avian flu. And all three of us just gasped and (laughs) showing just like, what was that like huge container full of dead birds that they were just dumping somewhere? Yeah, that was pretty brutal. It was brutal. And then all these competitions are being canceled and finally there's something happening in Tennessee. It's like, wow, to risk your birds to take it to this place. Because like, what happens if there's a flu outbreak there? Just... The, the risk of it all. My God. Especially given the viral times that we've been living in for the past two years. Definitely. Yeah. I watched this movie pre-COVID for the first time and watching it now in 2022. It's like that part hit definitely a little, I think, differently than before. And the idea that like, oh, one bird coming here could like really endanger so many others that are in the same room. So any other kind of thoughts on chicken people? I don't want to, you know, like this, I think this film's definitely a documentary. It's definitely worth watching. I think it's somewhat, you know, difficult to kind of go super in depth without like watching it and like knowing all these birds. But was there one question I had to ask was, did you guys have a favorite looking chicken? Was there one type that you were drawn to thought was interesting or even one specifically that we met that you were interested in? I couldn't keep track of these birds. Uh, I was just sort of like, they're all, these birds all look great. Look at them. And they're chickens. They're, uh, they look like chickens. Uh, they pass the visual test. I don't know. They're, like I see it. I'm not, obviously, folks, I'm not one of these judges. I look at a chicken and I'm like, yeah, there's a bird. Uh, but these folks have a keen eye for detail. But as far as these uh, breeds are concerned and everything, I really couldn't keep track very well. Uh, I found them all to be pretty, uh, at least a lot of the real contenders to be pretty stunning looking birds. Yeah, chickens are pretty impressive animals when you look at them. Uh, although I will admit that every uh, my real excitement was every time uh, one would pop up on screen, I would just shout in my living room, ducks! So I was a little, a little distracted. I also thought it would be a great twist if at the end of this, the uh, best bird in show was a duck instead of a chicken, but not how it comes to pass. Yeah, how many times does the turkey win? That's what I wanted to know. Because there's like a million different kinds of chickens. So how many kinds of turkeys are there? Like, that's the sequel I want. Turkey people is the sequel I want. 
I was also amazed. I, I think my favorite were Brian Knox's, the ones that had like the white, the black and white patterns. Like I thought that was really intricate and seeing his journey of like trying to breed the best of like, oh, well, this dad had really sharp this. The mom had, you know, definitive that. So like hopefully they're together and their grandparents. Like I thought the meticulousness of the breeding on Brian's part for the specific bird, that specific breed, I thought was really interesting. And also the care that had to go in was like astounding. Sherry having to wash all of her show birds for like a full day straight. The dedication that these folks have uh, is just wild. I don't know if I'm dedicated to anything that much. No, um, I'm, I might be dedicated to Phoebe that much, maybe. But here's the thing. This is why she and I work because she wouldn't ask me to do that. You know, she she's like, Mm-mm, that's OK, mom. I don't like birds really at all. Um, they freak me out. I don't like the flapping. Um, I don't like their beaks. I don't like their feet. However, I do agree. Brian Knox's birds were very beautiful. Uh, there was also something both captivating and unsettling, uh, about the, the modern birds. They're the ones that had like the raptor legs. My one roommate, Kara, she like could not get over them. Um, and anytime we saw them on screen, she'd be like, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> there's one shot of like one of those there. I'm like, this thing looks like it's 12 feet tall. What is uh-huh. this bird? <laughs> are, there, are there cranes here? Herons? <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like a worse person knowing that those exist now, but like I said, something captivating about them we didn't really spend much time getting to know any of those birds but um and i don't want to but i wouldn't have minded one thing i think is interesting too is just like i mean i know i know that uh chickens are intelligent um they're they're generally reputed to be very dumb birds but they are pretty smart but i'm so often reminded of the uh Werner herzog quote about chickens which is one of my favorites this is of course uh take it away Werner. Look into the eyes of a chicken and you will see real stupidity. It is a kind of bottomless stupidity, a fiendish stupidity. They are the most horrifying, cannibalistic, and nightmarish creatures in the world. Which I, I just appreciate that to no end. Because I, honestly, like, I, I, I'm sure that, you know, being birds that are reasonably intelligent, um, these, these animals do have a bond with the people that raise them. I'm sure of that. But every time I look at a chicken, man, I'm just like, this is the most like frightening, empty thing. <laughs> but I don't know. <clears throat> you also uh, kind of asked a pretty interesting uh, question in your notes, if you don't mind my jumping ahead to it a little bit. Go ahead. Is, uh, a question that is posed to some of the competitors uh, to varying answers uh, and responses, which is, is also in and of itself pretty interesting. But they're asked uh, whether or not they eat their own chickens, the chickens that they raise. Um, and uh, you asked, Connor, <clears throat> if uh, we were to raise chickens, would we eat our own chickens? And though I'm, I'm convinced that these people, uh, wh- whether or not the birds experience it or not, I'm convinced that these people do have a genuine connection to these animals. And there probably is a way to it um, when one of them dies. I mean, even Sherry talks about that at length at one point. Um, although others are very flippant about it and are just like, yeah, of course I eat my chickens. I, uh, I, I've raised my cat since he was born. So I love the little guy. Uh, and I would say that when it comes to uh, domesticate, formerly domesticated animals in that way that are pets, I have more of an affinity. When it comes to uh, livestock, I suppose I don't. Just folks uh, would probably be pretty quick to call me a speciesist for that. And they are absolutely right. Uh, I, I don't really have, I can't defend that opinion. I'm sorry. But, um, but yeah, if I, if I were raising chickens, I'd probably eat them. I feel the same. 
Uh, Alyssa and I were talking about this as we were watching it, and I would have absolutely no problem eating their eggs. Like just, I think that'd be one of the best parts of having chicken is just pretty much an endless supply of eggs for breakfast or brinner or during lunch, kind of eggs anytime. And I think I'd be okay. Like it was a chicken's time. The meat is good. Let's make some, I mean, Brian Knox eats chicken noodle soup. So I think it's, I, I, I think that's like, you know, the cycle of life. Of course, would I ever eat my dogs? No. <laughs> uh, is that the part of just the culture that I was raised in? Probably. But I think I'd be okay eating my chickens. Would I love it? Probably not. But I feel like that's part of the circle of life of livestock. As somebody who's never lived on a farm or tended to livestock a day in his damn life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't weigh in on it from an experiential perspective. I have no idea. Sounds like too much work for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know that. Okay, given what I said that I like I fucking hate birds, I could never eat one of them. Oh, really? Just I, I couldn't. Um I mean, obviously like I eat chicken, but like, you know, I'm disconnected from them. They they just appear in my freezer, right? Like but the moment I start thinking about where it comes from, food's ruined, I can't eat anymore. Um that I have stopped eating so much food that way. I remember, and I just told this story over dinner, actually, I was eating pork chops. I had it to my mouth, thought about where they came from. Haven't had a pork chop since. That was like 20 years ago, something along those lines, much to my mother's dismay. Um, And I I don't even think that I could eat like an unfertilized egg from a chicken because I'd be like, this came from my chicken. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't think that says, I don't know what that says about me, but the people who were like, well, you know, if they're not show chickens, yeah, they didn't do really well. Yeah. I leave them. Oh my God. It's just stunned to hear that. At least the one dude, he was like completely, he didn't even seem face. He was like, yeah, I'll fucking eat those chickens, whatever they're chickens. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I respected that more than the, well, if they don't do well, oh. did somebody say that? Yeah, it was the two. Like honestly, it was the Shining Twins that said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shelly and I couldn't. I couldn't see the other one's name. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so accurate. Good God. <laughs> It kind of just reminds me, I mean, this is a bit of a like a little side tangent, just a reference. It reminds me of the Lisa the Vegetarian episode of The Simpsons, where she's put off from eating uh, lamb chops because she sees a, a adorable little lamb mm-hmm. earlier in the episode. And then she's going to, after she decides, she's like having a complex moral conundrum about this. She goes to dissect the worm in class. And the worm says in her imagination, Lisa, please don't eat me. And she's like, why does it sound like a lamb? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, not, yeah. Again, um, uh, all respect for vegetarians out there. You are, uh, uh, in my opinion, better people than I. Yeah, I have to concur there. Well, any other final thoughts on Chicken People documentary? Some really interesting. I mean, I, I appreciate the a lot of the cinematography. Honestly, for a doc, it's shot pretty well. There are some really disturbing scenes early on. Like the one that really freaked me out, this is like first 10 minutes or so when we're just getting familiarized with like the layout of these kind of like competitions and the places. This is physical space and seeing all these chickens row by row by row in cages. Just seeing like these two chickens that are obviously in the same competing like breed and everything and are right next to each other. And they're just looking at each other like they're looking at a mirror. 
in these cages that are right next to each other. And it just freaked me the hell out. Just something really eerie about the whole thing that like, I don't think is like problematic, but it's just really visually stirring to look at. And you have to wonder like, what the hell is this chicken thinking about all this? That's so funny. I didn't even notice that. I actually think there's a moment where, um, God, I can't fucking remember who says it, but like, yeah, you know, I, this chicken hasn't seen anything other than this coop. So they're looking at the chickens over there thinking about like, oh, that's a hot girl. And I'm like, no, they're probably like, what the fuck is this? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, there's probably some existential dread on, on the chicken's part. Yeah. That being said, I mean, like, we are watching, like, Sherry, like, wash and, like, blow dry these chickens, care for them, tend their nails and everything. is like... In all fairness, these people are raising chickens a good deal more uh, ethically than uh, chickens are raised for the most part. Well, that's why I think I'd be okay with eating my chickens because I would take care of them and I'd feel better about raising chickens that I knew had a good life, were well-fed, had space, rather than buying, like, factory chicken. Yeah, because that shit's very grim. Yeah, this is all just kind of (laughs) grim. Especially, like, I, I couldn't help but thinking about, like, you're taking the hair dryer to the butts like it was it was like a big focus on chicken butts and then the hair not the hairspray but it was like some kind of shine spray that they used on them like (laughs) that also was unsettling it's chicken prom you know you gotta doll them up yeah i guess little little puff balls on the head of sherry's one vicky yeah names did it also like the the main competition that uh, Sherry had in like the selkie category was a, a woman named Vicky. I was like, that's weird to name your. I know you're naming it like Victory, but like, right. Very strange. Also, did appreciate too the editing as far as like um, Brian and uh, well, the Bryans, both Bryans, when they, they don't win and, and Sherry winds up. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, I guess I just ruined it. Uh, Sherry is the champion. But like, it, it really takes time to show that, you know, Life goes on for the two Bryans. They're, they're going to continue being invested in this passion. And also other things are working out for them. Like you see that Brian Carricker is reun- reunited with the uh, like number one 60s uh, sing team that he was kicked off of. So he's, he's back to What a, sad, what a sad sentence. The number one 60s sing-along team. Yeah, well, yeah. His parent. I love his, his dad, too. His dad's a real, like... A uh, real cheerleader for him the whole time. Uh, I saw truth in his mom's eyes. <laughs> you know, I saw it. But uh, and then also, you know, Brian, uh, the other Brian, Brian Knox, uh, is is right alongside uh, Sherry when she wins, and she almost like doesn't even realize it at first until Brian's like, "You won!" and gives her a hug. Well, uh, I thought that was so interesting too. Of like, there's like you don't want to hover the judge, so you stand like a row back. And you just like have to see if they write a one or a two or whatever they write on the card for play. I just thought that was like, it's very low key. Like only at the very end when they're like announcing the top, I guess, three or four winners. um, Do they actually gather everyone around? It's either like, Ooh, are they, I'm hiding behind the corner to peek at what number they write on my cage or, you know, how much time they're spending in my cage versus my competitors. So much about this world that I've learned. I know. (laughs) That's why I th- I've recommended chicken people to like anybody who enjoys like documentaries. Like if you like a documentary and especially if you like learning about people's interesting hobbies or passions, I think it's, I think chicken people is a home run for anybody who's interested in that world or like just learn about learning about what different people are interested in. The interesting things they're interested in. Yeah. 
Well, we have a special butter with that surprise for you listeners. We took a quiz. Although there were no, (laughs) although there were no characters in Chicken People since it's a documentary, we took a quiz on Play Buzz, telling us what chicken breeds we'd be. So if we want to go around the horn and read out what animal we got, I think that'd be a lot of fun. If you just Google Play Buzz, what chicken am I? What chicken breed am I? It should pop right up. So I'm happy to go first. I got the Rhode Island Red. I am a social and somewhat and somewhat assertive, much like this bird. You are probably a great leader and face life with a positive attitude. Aw. Some things I think of that are true. And it's a very it's a very pretty bird. I'll send a I'll send a screenshot to everybody. Maybe we'll post these on our on our Insta. I got a buff Orpington. You are calm. No. Friendly. And you like making people happy. You might be shy, but everyone you know loves you. Aw. What does your bird look like? Mine's like just a classic like red, like a you know, ruby red kind of bird. Um, when you think about a, like a brown chicken, like a like like a light brown, it that's it. <laughs> Dave, how about you? Well, folks, I took the same quiz, and my result has been calculating for about 20 minutes. So I tried a different quiz called What uh, What Kind of Chicken Are You? And the answer is Chicken Parmesan. You're the best. Everyone <laughs> wants to be you because you're so cool. Well, that's like a dark turn. That's, that's oh the best God. I can do. I am the, I'm the sad uh, after effect of a, uh, a chicken loser in the, one of these competitions. I mean, you got the Sam as the Xenomorph answer so yeah. of, this, of this round. For listeners who don't know, in our Alien episode, Sam got the Xenomorph. <laughs> that's what character she was. It's ridiculous that that's an option. <laughs> I bet uh, you got it. <laughs> probably top 10 favorite moments of my entire life. Uh, I think <laughs> that's up there. Thank you so much, Sam and Dave, for watching and talking about Chicken People. Uh, listeners, as I mentioned, it's on Amazon Prime Video. So if you have an Amazon Prime account uh, available to you, Definitely recommend watching if you are all interested in documentaries. Uh, as we're signing off, definitely be sure to check out the Movie John Podcast Network and all of our wonderful friends over there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Butter With That, Twitter, Butter With That One. And you can always send us an email at butterwiththatpodcast at gmail.com. It's been a while since we've gotten an email. What chicken are you? We'd love to know are you um chicken nuggets <laughs> maybe that'd be a pretty good answer let us know in our email or socials <laughs> anything else from the, the sam or dave anything else you want to plug or, or mention as we're signing off um i asked my roommates how they would describe your movie choices um so like i said before christine's is just a big heavy sigh connor you received crimes and dave was nostalgic but weird Okay. okay. Crimes? Crimes. Only one person responded, so that's not like the whole vibe. Got it. Interesting. Well, I think that if your roommates ever want to come on and um, participate in the Big Butter blowout of who's the best, aside from you, because I think they discuss your crimes. Yes, to discuss <laughs> the put me on movie trial. This um, might be the Big Butter blowout because. Whoo. <laughs> <laughs> well. Any but any friend of Sam is welcome on the podcast. So if if you if they want to come on, I think I think there's room that we can make it work. All right, I'll let them know. 
Well, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, can't wait to see what else is in the grab bag as we reach in next week and the week after. We hope you uh, have a good whatever and stay safe. And whether you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or good evening, just have a, a good whatever. Damn it, I was going to do that. <laughs>